And come on in. This is the Earth Riot Radio, and this is the Earth Church. I'm Reverend Billy. I'm sitting in the physical Earth Church in the East Village in New York City, and you might hear some traffic sounds out there, some cop sirens going by. You might hear some people inside the church here putting up lights, sitting at the piano, trying to figure out a, one of our songs. Tomorrow at 3 p.m., you can tune in. Come to RevBilly, R-E-V-Billy.com, and we'll give you the live link to the live stream so you can be with us. Tomorrow, our guests, we will give them, we will canonize them with absolute fabulous sainthood. Oh, and the saints come marching, yes. These are saints. Chris Smalls, the president of the Amazon Labor Union, and his posse of people, Jordan, Derek, and Gerald, and others will be here. We've rallied with them through the years, and they have succeeded in unionizing a one million square foot warehouse called the Fulfillment Center. I'm not joking. Fulfilling what? Jeff Bezos's bank account, I guess. So they have, they have proven something to us. And this is a moment like Greta Thunberg in front of the school, like Colin Kaepernick kneeling at the sports stadium. It's, it's like AOC out here in the Queens going door to door. This is a moment of social change that gives us all encouragement, it gives us courage. I, I don't use the word hope so much anymore. It gives us more than that. We can do this in year 2022. We have examples of people with their bodies, with their gestures, just helping each other, looking each other in the eye and talking. And very important change takes place. Somebody give me a change, hallelujah. Here we go now. Here we go. Change, hallelujah.
Congress dominated by corporate lobbyists and wealthy campaign contributors, the idea that we would actually hear from the working class of this country is, in fact, radical, uh, but I make no apologies uh, for that. Uh, let's begin with Mr. Smalls. Um, Mr. Smalls, if you could, describe a little bit uh, about the pressures that exists at Amazon when workers have decided uh, that they want to form a union? Absolutely. Um, well, for one, <clears throat> let me just describe what the environment is. These buildings are 14 NFL football fields, a million square feet, some of them over a million square feet. Uh, Staten Island, for example, JFK 8. Uh, these workers are commuting from all five boroughs. So their commute could be in New Jersey as well. Uh, could be anywhere between two and a half, three hours each way. Not including their 10 to 12 hour shift if they're full time. Um, only subjected to a 30 minute lunch period and two 15 minute breaks. If you work 12 hours, you get 45 minutes. 
and two 15-minute uh, breaks. Um, so just think about that by itself, um, just working under those conditions as well as enduring union busting, which Amazon flies in um, hundreds of union busters from all over the country, um, all over, pretty much all over the world. There's some that come from overseas as well. They come into the facility. They isolate workers every single day, question them, um, pretty much gaslighting them, um, acting like they are working to improve the conditions but really they are just polling to see who's pro-union, who's not. They report that information back to management. Um, they have captive audiences every single day. For example, at JFK, they did them every 20 minutes. They brought in classes, classrooms the size of 50 to 60 workers, um, drilled anti-union propaganda into their heads for nearly an hour. And they did this four times a week. Every single day, workers come in. They go right to a captive audience. So imagine being a new hire at Amazon. Your second day, you don't even know your job assignment. And the first thing they do is march you into an anti-union propaganda class. Um, other examples are they post and plaster the building with anti-union propaganda. You walk in, the first thing you see is vote no. Uh, you walk in, the first thing you see is union dues coming out of your check. They calculate union dues without even knowing how a union operates. Um, they pretty much spread rumors and lies about the union members trying to claim that this independent worker-led union that are all Amazon workers are some third party. Um, they lied and said that, um, you know, the union dues, the money is going to go towards um, my financial gain. Um Pretty much they demonized myself as the union representative, um, saying that I have a vendetta because I was fired two years ago wrongfully. <coughs> um, other things that they do is use the police to intimidate the workers. Um, there was a presence, a large presence in Bessemer. I remember when I went down there for the first campaign, they had police uh, at every entrance. Same thing in Staten Island. They used the police at all our demonstrations. Uh, myself and two other organizers were arrested, not once, but twice. And we're still sitting here um, as we speak on papers because of that. Hello, welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. Nearly a third of Pakistan has been submerged by massive monsoon flooding and the downriver effect of melting glaciers in the headwaters of the Indus River. Pakistan has the highest number of glaciers outside of the polar regions. The level of precipitation is unprecedented, in some places as much as 800% higher than usual. The government estimates that 33 million people have been affected by the floods, about 13% of the population. The effect on wildlife is not yet known. The extreme flooding has killed more than 1,200 people, a third of them children. At least 500,000 people have been displaced by the flooding, and more than 1 million homes are destroyed, as well as 2,100 miles of road. Pakistan is one of the lowest emitters of CO2 in the world. 
A humanitarian disaster is unfolding in East Africa, which is in the grip of its worst drought in at least four decades. More than 80 million people across Somalia, Ethiopia, Kenya, Sudan, South Sudan, Uganda, and Djibouti are food insecure, and almost half of them are having to sell their possessions in order to eat. With forecasters seeing a high risk of rains failing for a fifth consecutive season and aid flows falling short of what's needed, the region is at risk of a famine that's on par with, or even worse than, one that Ethiopia experienced in the 1980s that claimed an estimated one million lives. Malnourishment is already widespread, especially among children, millions of whom need treatment. Millions of heads of livestock have died, vast swaths of croplands have been decimated, and rural communities have been torn apart as families migrate in search of food and grazing. Many parents can't afford to keep their children in school, dropout rates have soared, and there are reports of girls as young as nine being married off for dowry payments or to ease economic pressure on households. While Europe, parts of the U.S., and other regions are also experiencing severe droughts, they are better equipped to deal with the fallout than cash-strapped African nations. Extreme heat is expected to grip the state of California for at least six days, perhaps even longer. Officials are warning that rolling blackouts are possible without major conservation efforts during a week of scorching temperatures. Temperatures could hit an all-time high and monthly record highs and are expected to be 10 to 20 degrees above average during the day with little relief expected overnight. High temperatures could hit 124 degrees in Death Valley. A gigantic saguaro cactus in Arizona estimated to be 200 years old collapsed last week. Older than Arizona itself by nearly a century, it weathered droughts and monsoons, searing heat and cold snaps. It outlasted the ranchers who grazed cattle and built dwellings near its roots. It survived wildfires and invasive grasses that choked out other vegetation in the region. And in August of 2022, fierce rains swept through the park and the cactus split at the trunk and toppled to the ground. Throughout its lifespan, it provided a habitat for all kinds of desert creatures. Many birds, including cactus wren, woodpeckers, and owls, use saguaros for nesting. Larger birds of prey use the tall saguaro for hunting platforms. Bats use the pollen and nectar from cactus blooms, and birds, bats, mammals, reptiles, and insects all use the fruits for moisture and nourishment. As winter nears, European nations, desperate to replace the natural gas they once bought from Russia, have embraced a short-term fix. A series of roughly 20 floating terminals that would receive liquefied natural gas from other countries and convert it into heating fuel. Much of the liquefied natural gas, or LNG, that Europe hopes to receive is expected to come from the United States. The need arose after Russia's invasion of Ukraine shattered its ties with Europe and led to a cutoff of most of the natural gas that Moscow had long provided. Along the U.S. Gulf Coast, export terminals are expanding, and many residents there are alarmed about the rise in drilling for gas and the resulting loss of land, as well as extreme weather changes associated with burning fossil fuels. Natural gas contributes significantly to climate change, both when it's burned, becoming carbon dioxide, and through leakages of methane, an even more potent greenhouse gas. Many environmental scientists argue that the money being earmarked for these ships, which cost about $500 million each to build, would be better spent on rapidly adopting clean energy, and even more importantly, on efficiency upgrades that could immediately reduce energy consumption. 2022 is the first time since 1941 that the Atlantic has gone from July 3rd to the end of August with no named storm. Since 1950, only 1997 and 1961 had no named storms in August. 
The weather is also surprising in the tropics. Before this year, the North Indian Ocean had only one named storm in August. This year, there are two. And in the Pacific, super typhoon Hinamnor is not only the most powerful storm on Earth this year, but it's moving southwest when these type of storms usually move west to east. The surprising weather raises concerns about our ability to predict weather events in a changing climate. Zimbabwe has begun moving more than 2,500 wild animals from a southern reserve to one in the country's north to rescue them from drought, as the ravages of climate change replace poaching as the biggest threat to wildlife. About 400 elephants, 2,000 impalas, 70 giraffes, 50 buffaloes, 50 wildebeest, 50 zebras, 50 elans, 10 lions, and a pack of 10 wild dogs are among the animals being moved in one of South Africa's biggest live animal capture and translocation exercises. Project Rewild Zambezi, as the operation is called, is moving the animals to an area in the Zambezi River Valley to rebuild the wildlife populations there. It's the first time in 60 years that Zimbabwe has embarked on such a mass internal movement of wildlife. Between 1958 and 1964, when the country was white minority ruled Rhodesia, more than 5,000 animals were moved in what was called Operation Noah. That operation rescued wildlife from the rising water caused by the construction of a massive hydroelectric dam on the Zambezi River that created one of the world's largest man-made lakes, Lake Kariba. Greenland's ice sheet is now so out of balance with prevailing Arctic climate that it no longer can sustain its current size. It is irreversibly committed to retreat by at least 59,000 square kilometers, an area considerably larger than Denmark, Greenland's protectorate state. Even if all the greenhouse gas emissions driving global warming ceased today, scientists find that Greenland's ice loss under current temperatures will raise global sea levels by at least 10.8 inches. Greenland's terrestrial ice has existed for about 2.6 million years. A harmful algal bloom known as a red tide is killing off uncountable numbers of fish in the San Francisco Bay Area, with residents reporting rust-colored waters and piles of stinking fish corpses washing ashore. The fish are most likely being asphyxiated as a result of the algae. Government scientists have identified the dominant species causing the bloom as Heterosigma akashiwo, a microscopic swimming algae that can cause red tides. Though scientists can't be certain what caused the algal bloom, experts say it is likely a combination of factors including warm water temperatures and a high concentration of phosphorus and nitrogen, the runoff from urban and agricultural sources, as well as dozens of wastewater treatment plants that surround San Francisco Bay. And now, the sounds of extinction. The indigenous man of the whole, Indio do Buraco an unidentified and charismatic indigenous man thought to have been the last of his tribe, has died in the Tanoro indigenous area in the state of Rondonia, deep in the Brazilian Amazon. His death also means the death of a language and culture. The solitary and mysterious man was known only as Indio do Buraco, or the indigenous man of the whole, because he spent much of his existence hiding or sheltering in pits he dug in the ground. Over a period of decades, during which his land was attacked and friends and family were killed, he resisted all attempts to contact him, laying traps and shooting arrows at anyone who came too close. Having endured atrocious massacres and land invasions, rejecting contact with outsiders was his best chance of survival, said Sarah Shankar, a campaigner at Survival International, the global movement for tribal peoples. He was the last of his tribe, 
And so that is one more tribe made extinct, not disappeared, as some people say. It's much more active and genocidal a process than just disappearing. Officials left strategically placed gifts of tools, seeds, and food, but were always rebuffed. They believe that sometime in the 1980s, illegal ranchers, after leaving initial offerings of sugar, gave the tribe rat poison that killed all except the man of the hole, Indio Duoburaco, who was thought to be about 60 years old. And hear the sound of the Tanuru jungle in Radonia.
it's loud, it's unheard. One day I woke up and I realized that I, I had the power to break into public space. And I walked to a federal building in downtown Manhattan to test my skills. And I walked across from the sidewalk, through the door, up into federal property. I walked up a couple flights and there was a receptionist and I was very nice to him. I said, good morning. I just like to look at the public space. I don't remember what he said, but I just kept walking around. I went up some more steps and I, I took an elevator and I realized I was going up and up and up into this building. I couldn't remember what the building was for, but I knew it was a federal building. Publicly owned, federal building, government building. And then there was, there was a point where I was sitting in a chair thinking about this. I realized that I was surrounded by men and women with guns. A circle of people with guns. They weren't pointing the guns at me, but I could see they had guns. And they said, you have to leave now. Let's see your identification. What's your name? And I said, isn't it interesting that we all made this place? All of this is created by us. We permitted this to take place. This building, your uniforms, the guns, the windows, it's all ours. <laughs> 